right, so it, it's uh, Merry Christmas. Christmas morning to you. Um, I'm just curious, from those that have already had the opportunity to, to wake up and, and have the joy of opening presents, who got the best gift? Huh? What you got? All right, Liza, what you get? Makeup. Girl, you too pretty. You don't even need makeup. Right? All right, you got some makeup. You want to share it with Pace? That's right. That's a good answer. All right, Pace, what you get? You got a basketball goal. Did you get one of those little, one of those little Nerf ones that goes on the back of the door, or you want outside? Outside. Okay. A whole entire basketball goal. Okay. So not just like the net. <laughs> all right, Deborah, what'd you get, buddy? Bible. You got a Bible? Oh, all right. Well, that just ended this conversation. <laughs> That's awesome, Deborah. Hey, Denver, so my first Bible had pictures in it. Does yours have pictures in it, or are you like a real Bible? I think yours like a real Bible. Are you Denver? <laughs> well, that's okay. That's, that's good, buddy. I'm, that's, that is... Uh-huh. Those are shallow little brown. Good job. Good job, Denver. I'm proud of you, buddy. All right, who else? Huh? What'd you get? You got a soccer goal. Like a show enough real soccer goal? Oh, just a partial soccer goal. A little soccer goal. Huh? Does mom and dad go get out in the field and in the yard and play some soccer with you? Huh? Well, <laughs> for soccer players, yes, it is. But, okay. Well, good deal. I got a trash pan to have. We saw that. <laughs> we saw I was good this year. All right. Well, you know, uh, we love Christmas, and Christmas was a, it was a hectic morning. We had to set a schedule last night so that we can get everything in as a, as a family because we don't normally do things as a family, especially on Sunday mornings, right? Like, it, it, it's, we, we come and we go, and we just hopefully show up here. Some of us get here before church starts. Some of us get here when church is starting, and so we wanted to avoid that today. So we we had to schedule it. We're going to eat breakfast, and then we got to also go ahead and get lunch ready so that it's out because our dollar fifty taco place is closed today. So we got to we had to get that rolling, and then we had to also do the whole present thing. And so like there was a lot of there was a lot of scheduling that was that was taking place last night, and and so just with the season of where the Sykes's are right now. Uh, just in, in, in our life, it, it's uh, traditions are becoming something. Like we've, we had our old traditions from when the kids were younger and we would travel, we would do those things, and, and now we're at a place where, man, we're celebrating Christmas with just the four of us. And so one of my newfound favorite Christmas traditions, this has happened three years in a row, is that I like to sit in my recliner. Four o'clock in the morning, white Christmas lights on the tree, and a fire in the fireplace. I love to get a book, and I love to have my coffee, and I love to just sit there in the peace and the quiet of the morning. This is three years in a row that we've, that we've been able to do this, and I absolutely love it. I get it. I'm, I'm, I'm middle-aged. I'm getting old. I'm, I'm starting to, to, to show... Huh? Okay. I'm old. Okay, I get that. 
I'm, I'm there. But there's there's just something about this. And yesterday, it, it was uh, especially peaceful because our power was out yesterday morning, and we didn't have we didn't have anything. So it was just me in the fireplace rocking yesterday morning. But I, I love it. There, there's something about starting your day with with a, with with some time that's just nice and calm, nice and peaceful compared to the rest of the day. And the rest of the day may not be that bad. It may not be that chaotic or, or whatever, but it's certainly nice to start our day that way. And, and I read Charles Spurgeon one time. He said that, that, that a calm hour with God is better than a lifetime with man. And he's talking about just sitting and being in the presence of God and embracing of all his characteristics, peace. And you cannot experience the story of Christmas without the sentiment of peace. Luke chapter 2, uh, we read this a few weeks ago. I want to read part of it again for you again. It, it, it's part of the Christmas story that we're familiar with where the angel comes and visits the shepherds. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. You will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth, with whom God is pleased. Let's pray. God, we love you, and we thank you for the opportunity to come and celebrate the birth of Jesus. Well, we can't read through the Christmas story, either the, the prophecies of old or uh, the, the facts and the details of the story itself without running across this idea, this theme of peace. The very nature of Jesus. So guys, we spend a couple of minutes this morning just diving into your word, focusing on you, focusing on this, this characteristic of peace. Lord, I pray that your word meets us where we are. God, we got stuff going on in our lives. And there's uncertainties with, with jobs. There's stresses with families. There's relationships outside of, 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 of our house, relationships with, at work or in our world that, that, that's causing us grief, causing us headaches. Financial strains that are going on. There's doubt. There's all, all these things that, Lord, we're facing. And today may be a distraction as, as we visit with family, as we eat meals, and we, we talk about and share gifts with one another. But then there's tomorrow. We've got the beauty of your word to us. The beauty of your promise to us is that no matter what, no matter when, we can have your peace. And so let your word, Father, meet us this morning. 
Let us encourage if we need encouragement. And correct. And teach. These things we ask in your son's name. Amen. So, of course, this passage written in Matthew is written in Aramaic. But it has the same meaning as its Hebrew translation that I'm sure you're probably familiar with. And that is this word shalom. And you, you hear it in, in certain TV shows, they'll, they'll, they'll use it. And you, you, you've heard this word in Hebrew somewhere. And the Jewish word shalom means so much more than a truce in the battles of life. It's a, it's a peace that extends beyond two physical opponents waging war against each other. We, we talked last time, actually it was Easter, when we talked about peacekeepers and peacemakers. And how Jesus came to be a, a man who makes peace and not somebody who keeps peace. Shalom means that there's well-being of, of health, of security, soundness and completeness it has to do more with your character than it does your circumstances shalom is how the heart and the mind react to unpleasant circumstances when this was written when those angels hovered above the field and they shouted this praise life was difficult for the audience Taxes were high. That's the very reason that, that David and Mary had to make their way to, to Bethlehem. Unemployment was high. Morals were, were slipping lower and lower. There was a military state that was in control. And right here in the center of this part of the world, you had, you had Roman law, you had Greek philosophy, and you had Jewish religion. And all of these three things combined in the hearts of God's people. And none of those things could bring peace. And then God sent his son. Whose very nickname, 700 years earlier, was spoken the Prince of Peace. Uh, check out the prophecy from Isaiah. We read this too once already this Christmas season. But Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. For to us a child is born for us. A son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice, with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Twice in these two verses, the coming Messiah. There is this idea, this thought, this mention of peace in reference to the very nature of who Jesus is. And I love that line. Of peace, there will be no end. That, that's a promise that is good for you and I on this very day. I mean, that's the news we need, isn't it? I know I need it. I, I, I'm personally not hurting, but I know people who are hurting. I know people who are going through things right now. 
People are going through stuff. People, people are feeling inadequate about themselves. People are feeling let down by others. People are feeling doubt about certain situations. People are emotionally drained right now. People are worried about how to pay for Christmas that we've just maxed out our credit cards on. People are concerned over the, the crazy inflation that, that is taking place. People are worried about the state of our country and all that's going on. You know what God says to you as you're going through something? As you're going through whatever the stuff is in your life, you know what he says? I'll tell you what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, oh, you're worried about this or you got this going on. Let me just, here's the solution to your feelings or problems. You know what promise he makes? Of peace there will be no end. You believe that this morning, church? I mean, you're going through some stuff. Do you believe that the sovereign God of the universe, he may or may not fix whatever it is that's going on, but this is an assurance that you have of peace there will be no end. Do you believe that this morning? Because here's the thing, as humans, we want solutions. We, we, we want a solution to the problem that's causing the chaos. We want a solution to the problem that's, that's, that's causing the issue, whatever it may be. That's what we want. We, we want to be bailed out of our predicament. And we, as humans, will go to great lengths to solve the problem on our own. And I'm not saying that there's not a responsibility that, that we have. But, but we want whatever is causing the stress and the turmoil and the chaos, we want a solution to that. Thinking that just that will give us the quality of life or peace that God promises. And here's what God says to you in your circumstances right now. What you need... What you need to, to take faith in, what you need to walk out the door with this morning, what you need most is knowing that the Prince of Peace cares about you. And so we call Jesus the peacemaker because he offers peace to you and I in our lives as we struggle with turmoil, as we struggle with chaos, as life throws us things that we weren't expecting. We have the peacemaker. Jesus' final hours with his disciples were this very deal. There was a lot of chaos. There, there, there was a lot of, what's going on in Jesus right now? There, 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 was, a, there was a lot of, lot of turmoil. There was just a, a different feel. As he gathered everybody to the upper room, as he's washed their feet, that's a new one. We haven't seen that one. As he's now said some things to, 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 to about a betrayer and how Judas left, I don't know what, what, what's, what's going on there. As, as, as all this stuff is going on, there's this repetitive thing. As he says, hey, you're not going to understand this, but I'm leaving you. But don't worry, I'm going to come back. As he's saying all of these things, there's this repetitive thing that keeps coming up in Jesus' final hours with his disciples. And that repetitive thing is peace. For example, in John 14, 27, we read it earlier, I'm leaving you with a gift. Lord, well, first off, where are you going? Why do you got it? I mean, thanks for the gift and everything, Jesus, but, 
But hey, why don't you just hang out here because we've got a good gig going right now. But Jesus knew what was waiting. He, he knew that the cross was, was hours away. I'm leaving you with a gift. All right. We get to unwrap it. Is it just like, I mean, what, what do we get? What happened? I'm leaving you with peace of mind and heart. And then he says this. And the peace I give you, okay? The, the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Church, you're not going to find peace with worldly solutions to your problems. Jesus promises you and I a gift, and it only comes from him and through him. A little bit later on, conclusion, closer to the conclusion of this, of this setting with the disciples, he mentions peace again. And he says, all of this I have told you so that you may have peace in me. Like he's about to go to the garden and pray. He, he has spent the bulk of two and a half chapters now talking about with the disciples about some final instructions. All of this I have told you so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have trials and sorrows, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I mean, that's pretty comforting, right? It's comforting for the minister to stand up behind the pulpit at, at, at the funeral and say that to the family. Hey, you're facing trials and sorrows. Don't worry about it. Jesus has overcome the world. I mean, it, it, it's comforting to us if we're not going through something. I mean, thanks for the heads up. Jesus promises trials and sorrows. The reminder helps somewhat. Okay, I'm not alone. It, it, it's going to happen. But man, when you're in the middle of it, when, you, when you're in the middle of the thing, the, the, that's not the most comforting thing. So how can I walk out of this room in a few minutes to start experiencing peace from the peacemaker? I mean, it's, it's one thing to know that we're going to have stuff come our way. As, as a matter of fact, if there's not stuff coming your way, you might be doing it wrong. Okay. That if, if there's not some heartache, if there's not some headache, if there's not some frustration, if there's not some chaos and some things going on in your life, you know what? You might be doing it wrong. And so how can I walk out of here and start to experience peace from the peacemaker? Well, Paul gives us the best advice for peace, and it's found in the book of Philippians. Now, I want to encourage you to study that this week. We're going to walk through it right now, but I encourage you, man, if you're going through something right now, this, this is what you need to be meditating on this week. And here's what Paul says to a church. Rejoice in the Lord always. Well, thank you for that, Scarlett. I'm going through something. What do you mean rejoice in the Lord always? Oh, for those of you in the back who are really struggling, I'll say it again. Rejoice in the Lord always. One more time. That's easy to do when everything's going away. That's easy to do. Right? 
when, when things are just lined up, man, I can come in here, I don't have a heartache, I don't have a headache, God's great. But that's where it begins. And he says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. I'm pretty sure we talked about some gentleness last week. And I know in my world, when there's a lack of peace, and there's, there's an elevated level of chaos or turmoil, that's when my gentleness gets kicked to the side. And I have this tendency to react in a different way. But he's like, hey, right here in the moment, rejoice in the Lord always. And let your gentleness be evident to all. You want to know why? Because the Lord is near. Like, like, like that's, that's not some figurative, that's not like a metaphor thing that, oh, okay, the Lord is near. No, no, the Lord is near to you. And when you're going through the stuff, when, when you got the thing going on, the Lord is there with you. And, and I get it, man. We, we usually want like, to have some skin on that thing that, 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 that is there with us. We, we, we want somebody that we can hug, that we can embrace, that we can take it out on, whatever. But you're not going through the thing that you're going through alone. The Lord is near. And then he says this, do not be anxious about anything. Okay, so right now, man, we're struggling through Paul's advice. You're telling me to rejoice, be joyful, not good. You're telling me to be gentle, okay, I'm struggling with that. And now you're telling me not to be anxious. Well, those are the three things that I am or am not. I am anxious. Well, here he goes. But in every situation, with prayer and petition, and with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And church, I'm telling you, there is something about the last half of that, that verse. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. And I'm telling you right now, if you have never been in the moment and just stopped and wrote down everything that you're thankful for. If, if, if you've not done that, I'm telling you right now, this is the number one game changer. I'm not talking about just to think about it. I'm talking and telling you right now, you need to, in the moment, write down everything that you're thankful for. What, what, what do I have that I'm grateful for. So I'm telling you right now, everybody has something. Even, even, if, even if it's all I've got is you got. And I'm grateful for your son. And I say that even if I, that's all I got. That's everything. But then what else? I'm really thankful for the roof over my head. I'm thankful for the job I have. I'm thankful for the people that I get to see. Thankful, and you just start making that list, and you start writing it down. What are the things that I am thankful for? And when you come back to that rejoicing of the Lord, always, 
Here's what's going to happen. When, when, when you start this, this cycle of I'm sitting down and I'm thanking the Lord for everything that I have, and then it, my attitude starts to change and I start to find there's reasons for me to be joyful and it's because the Lord is near. It, it, it changes my whole attitude. I'm not bitter. I'm, I'm, I'm not angry. My, my gentleness can now exude from who I am into other people. When that starts to happen, when those things happen, verse 7 tells us, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You're not going to be able to understand it. You, you, you're going to be going through life, and you're going to be like, this does not make sense, but this is the thing that I know God wants. And I'm telling you, church, I've seen this in my own life four or five times. And it's like, man, th this decision does not make sense, but it's the one decision that gives me the most peace. And I know right now that every time that I have worked this out, there's been a peace that has settled upon my life and upon my family that I cannot understand. And it's very similar to the blessings we have when we are faithful with our money to God. <laughs> Can't explain how giving away a percentage of my money. Uh, it just seems that there's always more money when I actually give money away to the Lord. When I trust Him first. And it's the same thing here. There's going to be this thing that you just can't describe it. But when you experience it, you know it. And then He says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Not the thing that's causing the stress. Not, not the thing that's causing you to be anxious. Not the, not the whatever it is. I, I, I am to think about what is true. God's Word is true. What is noble. What is right. Whatever is pure. Whatever is lovely. Whatever is admirable. These are the things that I am to think about. The things that are praiseworthy. Think about these things. That's not easy. It takes some practice. Because I know where my mind wants to go. It wants to go to the issue. And it wants to go, what's wrong with me? It goes to, how can I fix this? It goes to, what, what can we do next time so that we can avoid this again? That, that's where my mind wants to go. But Paul's saying, that's not the stuff you're supposed to think about. You need to think about what's true, what's noble, what's right, what's pure, what's lovely, what's admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Do you want to know what that is? God. Uh, like nothing else fits that bill of everything right there. Like you're not going to find that on TV, okay? You're not going to find that in a documentary about something. You're not going to find that. You know, on, on some show that you don't have to think about, you're not going to find that in the world. You're only going to find what Paul's saying about in God. And then he gives them this whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And what happens? The God of peace will be with you. So Jesus came 
to give assistance. It doesn't, it doesn't change things right now. It doesn't change things. But, but I'm telling you, try me in this. Test me. As, 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 as I give you the word of God this morning. This Christmas season, as you've got stuff going on, let me tell you what God wants you to have. If, if you, he wants you to have the peace that comes from Him. That's why, I mean, if you think about the Christmas story, it, it's mentioned in the Christmas story that you're to have peace and joy. And then at the very end, when He's going to the cross, what does He talk about peace? He bookends His very life with this repetitive theme of peace for the people. So let's respond to this. <laughs> I just opened this up. There's no bread. <laughs> That's just a bad omen, I think. All right, whatever. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. I usually choke on it anyway. All right, thank you. I'll get a double shot. Juice. We'll have to explain that when we get home. Yeah. <laughs> you had two in yours? Oh, wow. There it is. Yeah, you got you got my portion of blessing. All right, Lord, be reckless. Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus this letter, and he says this: "For Christ Himself has brought peace to us." And, and, and then he makes it very specific to what's going on in their culture. And, and what was going on in their culture as the church was expanding was the Jews, God's chosen people, and the Gentiles, uh, the people that the Jews despised, um, they, they were pretty much at war. They didn't like each other. Adam. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. If, if you're not aware, you're the Gentiles. Because you're not Jewish. So the Jews were like, it's all us and then everybody else. So you're, you're, you're Gentiles. And, and, and what Jesus did on the cross was he brought peace to us. He brought peace between these two nations that, that are at war with one another. But the hostility, the thing that has separated us, it is, is not a people group. It's sin. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by, by creating in himself one new people. From the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility toward each other was put to death. He brought this good news 
of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him. We have peace offered to us because of what Jesus did on the cross. And it is through his blood sacrifice that you can walk out of here knowing that the promises of peace in your life can happen. And so as we take a moment and we pause and we take the bread that Jesus commanded us to take when we gather together, he said, take this. It represents my body that was broken for you. And then he passed some wine. And he tells them to take this and to drink it. Because it represents his blood that washes away, that covers over the sin in our lives. And now all of us can come to the Father through the Holy Spirit because of all that Christ has done for us. God, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for the, the desire that you had to be with us, to live and walk with us, to send your Son to us. And God, there's going to be some hardship in this life. We know it. You know that we know it. And everything that we're going through is because of the fallen world that we live in. My ailments... The rebellion of one another. Everything that is happening on this earth, you know and you allow it to happen. But God, as your followers right now, we we have we have access to a peace that no matter what our circumstances are transcends our understanding. Lord, we know that we can't even wrap our mind around what is available to us. And so, Father, my prayer for our church is that we walk out of here on this Christmas day focusing on the gift of Jesus to us, knowing, Lord, knowing that we can have a peace that is more calming than any hour of the day with a fireplace and Christmas lights and no noise. We can have a peace that brings us into closer relationship with you, Father. We thank you for it. Let us experience it. Let our faith test you now. We ask these things in your son's name. Amen.